All the praise and all the glory is worthy, is worthy, is worthy. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done in our lives. We thank you that you love us with a passion. Lord, we thank you that you died for us. Lord, we thank you that you, we are your sons, your daughters. Lord, we thank you. If it wasn't for you, where would we be? Jesus, you are beautiful beyond description. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory that's due your name. You are truly, truly wonderful. Hallelujah. Just give Jesus a round of applause. He deserves all the glory. He's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. How many felt the presence of the Lord as we worshipped him this morning? Hallelujah. It's great to be with you in Basel again this morning, and I give God great praise to, for being here. It's a year ago since I was last here. If you weren't here last night, I shared that last time I was here, my father was, uh, he just had uh, a major operation and um, got cancer in his body, and um, on Friday evening, we celebrated his 80th birthday party. A year on, he's cancer-free. And uh, we just give God all the glory. You know, my father's, um, he served the church for many years, being an elder in the church. Um, and even while he was going through his cancer, watched him visit other people in the church, encouraging them, praying for them, reaching out to them uh, in his great need, reaching out. And uh, on Friday evening, it was great to celebrate his 80th party. He looks well, looks strong. Uh, it's the blessing of God. And uh, it's he's, he's just great to celebrate that 80th birthday. Just been to the doctors recently, and uh, he's been going once a month for the past year and got good blood results every month. And they just said to him, there's no cancer in your body. Go and enjoy. Go and enjoy your life. And hallelujah, God's good. Amen. So we're thankful for what God has done in, uh, in my father's life. And uh, you know, sometimes when you're in your greatest need and you reach out to other people, God can touch your life and just do things in your life that you don't, you just can't comprehend. And uh, when we're at our weakest, God's at his strongest. Amen. So we just give God all the praise and all the glory. We just come back from Guatemala, um, just at an awesome crusade where we've uh, seen thousands of people fill a crusade field and... Um, Last, uh, over the last uh, nine, ten days, we've seen the power of God displayed as we've preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, on the first night, we had 5,000 people in the stadium. 1,500 gave their lives to Jesus Christ when the altar call was given. Uh, first time decisions. And uh, the next night, more people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And uh, on the last night, uh, we saw around... An, 800 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. So over the three crusade nights, we've seen about 2,500 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. So we give God all the praise and all the glory for saving souls. You know, I love the miracles. I love seeing when God opens blind eyes and opens deaf ears and cripples walk and people are healed of all sorts of diseases. But the greatest miracle of all is when people give their life to Jesus Christ and their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's the greatest miracle of all when people find salvation. So we give God all the praise and all the glory. Um, just to share with you some of the things we saw while I was there, um, just mighty miracles. Uh, a young little boy about the age of my youngest boy, eight years of age, never spoke in his life. And um, as the power of God came upon him, the first, his mother was stood at the side of him. I'll never forget his mother's face when that little boy said his own name. And then the second thing that he said was Jesus and uh, started to speak into the microphone. Uh, we've got this on film, but we've got to get all this footage uh, edited. And, but uh, just great to see this little boy speaking his own name and then speaking Jesus Christ. It was wonderful. And uh, other uh, 
little children being healed by the power of God, um, blind eyes opening last uh, Sunday evening, a gentleman was telling me the color of my shirt and, and what I was wearing and waving to the crowd and telling how many fingers I was holding up as the power of God opened his eyes. It was just wonderful what God did for this gentleman. Uh, and uh, a lady who was blind, she got totally healed. Children got healed by the power of God. Um, this little um, girl healed of deafness and uh, a gentleman, 15 years deaf, healed by the power of God. What a mighty God we serve. Uh, and uh, just God touching people's lives. And I shared on uh, last night about a, uh, a young guy who was um, attacked by uh, some of the drug um, Cartier or what is over there's a lot of drug crime and gang crime and he was he was uh, beaten by baseball bats and left for dead at the edge of the road uh, ended up with a neck brace upon his neck and um, his face was disformed and uh, where he'd been repeatedly beaten with this uh, baseball bat and um, he came to the crusade he was sat on this side of uh, as I was looking from into the crowd thousands and thousands of people there and he sat listening to every word of the gospel being preached. And uh, when the altar call was given, came out, and then people prayed over him. Uh, he whipped his neck brace off, was turning his head, and gave his testimony, said that he was left for dead at the side of the road. But he says, as I've received prayer tonight, all the pain's gone from my neck. The swelling on his face went down, and he was just totally healed by the power of God. What a mighty God we serve. And uh, pastors have given testimony since we got home of people coming into the church who've been saved in the crusades and then coming to the church, getting connected. And some of them will testify now they've been healed and we're still walking in that healing. So we give God all the praise and all the glory due his name. It's wonderful to see what God has done in the precious people of Guatemala. And uh, we give God great praise for what he's, he's been doing. Um, one of the pastors who was a prof- professional footballer, um, he played for Guatemala in the national team, and uh, he was sharing me, with me before he was ready to go and do the crusade and in this stadium, beautiful soccer stadium. He says, this is the last stadium that I scored my last professional goal as a professional footballer. He says, when I scored, I scored in the last minute, and I, I run down this side of the, of the stadium where the, where the people in the crusade were sat, he says, and uh, lifted my hands up in my celebrating the goal, he says, uh, and it was the last goal I scored as a professional footballer, he says, but then God called me into the ministry, and he says, so tonight, seeing this stadium full of people worshiping and praising God, it's the greatest thing that I've ever seen, so it was a blessing for this man, this pastor, to see God, where he played professional footballer, God bringing thousands of people into that stadium, and he was the host of the crusade, and says, to see this stadium totally full of people praising God and the miracles and the salvation. He said, it has blessed my heart. He, um, the mayor of the, of the city came to the crusade and um, just blessed, spoke some words. And to watch that man on his knees with his hands in the air, giving glory to God and saying, this city we want to give to Jesus Christ. And uh, we're praying that that whole city will be transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the crusades, we gave out... Um, there's a businessman over there who helped us and uh, gave out over 2,000 food parcels and Bibles to the new converts uh, on that first evening as they gave their lives to Jesus Christ uh, after this uh, crusade to watch those lines of people going and receiving food parcels and new Bibles as they're given their lives to Jesus Christ, 2,000 of them. And on the next night, another 1,500 food parcels were given out to the People who come and give their lives to Jesus Christ. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Another gentleman on the second night, he said, as the word of God was being preached, he says, he came and gave his testimony. He says, I was healed where I was sat as the word of God was being preached. There's power in the word of God as it's preached. So we give God great glory. Obviously, I haven't got any footage of that crusade uh, while I was in Guatemala, but... uh, uh, we're trying to get that finished. I have got footage from last year, and God has just built on what happened last year, and we give him all the praise and all the glory for what he's done in people's lives. Come on, give Jesus some praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. 
Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We took a team of 45 people with us on this, including me. There was 45 people. And when you've got thousands of people to pray for, you need a big team to pray for all those people. And I was, I was sharing with you last night to watch 15-year-old boy who was with us on the trip, right through to 75-year-old lady who was on the trip, ministering to the sick and being used by the power of God and uh, seeing miracles and Their lives will be changed forever as they went on this crusade trip with us. This young boy, 15, he was taking photos of the crusade and taking crowd shots and pictures of the miracles. And I was watching him pray. And uh, uh, he lives now, lives in Guatemala, this boy. Um, His family have took an orphanage down there. And his life is completely transformed by what he's seen. And, uh, you know, we need a generation that to follow up and do greater things than we've ever done and see greater things than we've ever done and, and be more passionate than we ever were and uh, see, see God just do great things. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to preach to you for a, a short time this morning. And everybody said amen. Um, I want to bless you with the word of God this morning and um, just preach something to you that's on my heart this morning. Uh, since the Crusades, I preached last night about being uh, displaying to the principalities and powers of being hidden with Christ in God. And I was blessed to read what Pastor Allen had wrote in his bulletin, uh, your monthly bulletin, uh, uh, some great truths of what... You know, when you're hidden with Christ in God, there's an authority upon your life. And uh, to see the power of the gospel displayed and uh, your life is hidden and protected on the banner of the the love of Jesus Christ. And God places an anointing on our lives for us to walk in that anointing. We're all different, all got different gifts, all got different talents that God has placed within our lives. But God wants to use all of us to walk in that God-given gifts and anointing that he's placed upon our lives. And um, to watch these young boys in that crusade really blessed me, to watch that... uh, Older lady, older lady, not old lady, older lady. She's got more life in her. She's 75, but I watched a passion within her. She got more energy than some of the 18-year-olds I've seen. Loved Jesus Christ and was praying for the sick and and praying over demon-possessed people. And God was using her life. And I want to read to you from uh, the book of uh, Hebrews this morning. And um, just want to share some thoughts with you in Hebrews chapter eleven uh, is the is a great passage of scripture which is called the Hall of Faith, where great men and women of God are listed in Hebrews chapter eleven, and it says by faith Abraham, by faith Moses. You, could, you read all these great men and women of God that uh, are listed in Hebrews chapter eleven. You can read of them. And saying, by faith, they did this, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Everything we do is by faith. You're saved by faith this morning. Uh, Everything is is to do with faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 39, it says this, having spoke of all these great men and women of God, it says, uh, says this in Hebrews 11 verse 39, and all these, speaking of all these great men and women of faith, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And then on into Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame 
and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Read that again. From verse 1 in Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight, And the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. In Hebrews chapter 11, I love this passage that talks about the great heroes of the faith. Abraham, Moses, and it it says, time doesn't forbid me to to tell, time forbids me to speak of Gideon and Barak. And you can read of Joshua and Caleb and all these great men and women of God who did exploits for their God. It says, those who know their God shall do exploits. And reading of these great men and women of God, surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses that through faith did exploits for their God. And then right in the middle of this chapter, you're reading of, 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 of Abraham and Moses and, and all these great, and Sarah and all these great men and women of God. It says, and by faith, Rahab. An harlot, a prostitute, is listed in the hall of fame. We would never have put her there. But the writer of of this passage seems to fit that she should be in the hall of faith because she did what God told her to do. And uh, I find it amazing that God uses men and women, sometimes men we'd never choose or women we'd never choose, but God sees it fit to take hold of men and women and see something upon their lives and says, I can use that man, I can use that woman, I can use that boy, I can use that girl for my glory. And he places an authority and, and, and power upon their lives and they do exploits. And it says, by faith, Rahab. Took in the spies. It says in Joshua that now the city, listen to this, shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction in it and all who are in it. And this is what she did. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. She and all who are with her in her house because she hid the messengers that were sent. Go into the harlot's house and, and from there bring out the woman and all she has and and, and as you swore to her, and the young men who had, uh, had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, a father and mother, her brothers, and all she had. And Joshua spared Rahab, the harlot, her father's household, and all she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So this woman did what God had told her to do and by faith hid the spies. And because she did what God had told her to do, she's in the hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And all her household was saved by one woman's act and stand of faith. All her household was saved. And so she's in the hall of fame. That gives me great hope this morning that God, if he uses a prostitute, an harlot named Rahab, because she was obedient and put her faith in God and was obedient to what God called her to do, there's hope for me and you this morning that we can be used by God to do exploits in the hour that we live. Amen. I want to speak to you just a short moments this morning, what I call the final leg. And the Hebrews 39 said, all these, these men and women of God, you can read them in time doesn't uh, allow me this morning. All these men and women of God who did exploits through faith, they did not receive the promise. 
God having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. What I love about the Bible, that God chooses ordinary men and women who put their trust in an extraordinary God. And God uses these men and women to do exploits as they put their faith in God. History is full of ordinary men and women who put their trust in God and are history makers and we can look to them and point to them and say, these men and women did great things for God because they put their faith in God and they did exploits. But the Bible, as I was reading in Hebrews 11.39, says, all these men and women of God obtained a good testimony through their faith but did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And this is what I want to speak to you this morning. When I read this scripture, I had a a little picture of a relay race. Can you remember the relay race from when you was in in school? And, uh, And I also had a picture of heaven. And the great balconies of heaven and all the great men and women of God who've gone on to glory, they've done their time and have gone. And I had this picture of all these great men and women of God in glory looking over the balconies of heaven, cheering on the next race, the next runners. So the Bible says, if we fail, we fail everybody who's gone before. So the race that is marked out for us is a relay race. Now, when I was at school, uh, I remember the relay race when we would, sometimes they would do the hurdle relay race where there would be hurdles to get over and uh, say it was the uh, four by 100 meter uh, hurdle relay race where there would be the first runner would set off uh, and he would run the 100 meters and uh, clear the hurdles as he was running, and he would get back, uh, come to the next runner who would be waiting to take the baton. So he would then hand over the baton to the next runner. Now, in this relay race, there was a, a window of opportunity to pass on the baton. So as the runner is running, he would wait in this marked out area where he would take the baton from the first runner. So if he took the baton too early, he was disqualified. If they took the baton outside that window of opportunity, they would be disqualified disqualified because he would take it too late. So there's a window of opportunity where the baton, he would wait for him to come into that box, that marked out window of opportunity, and he would take the baton... And the first runner would cease from his running and the second runner would take off and he would run his next leg of the race. So then he would come to the third runner who's waiting in his box of opportunity, his window of opportunity. And the same again, if it's passed on too early or passed on too late, they're disqualified from the race. And he would wait in, or she would wait in that window of opportunity and take the baton from the second runner and the third runner would set off on their leg of the race. Now, when I was at school, the best runner was saved to last. So that... So the first runner, he would set off. There will all be fast runners in this, in this relay, relay race. That He would set off, she would set off, boom. Second, second runner, she would set off, he would set off, bring it to the third runner. In that window of opportunity, take the baton, then run to the next who was waiting for that home stretch. And uh, there would be a window of opportunity again where if he takes the baton too early, they disqualify it. If they take it too late, they're disqualified. But in that window of opportunity, the baton would be passed on to the last runner and he would take that baton and run the last 100 meters and bring it home. And save the, we always saved in, in our school. And I remember the last runner was saved. The best, the fastest runner was saved to last. 
And as I was picturing this relay race, I'm thinking of all the runners that have gone before. The first runner, the second, if it wasn't for the first runner, if it wasn't for the second runner, if it wasn't for the third runner, this race would never have been run. And I believe we're living in a time right now where we're in the final leg of the race of life. I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ, I still believe that Jesus Christ is coming again soon. I believe it. I don't hear much preaching on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I believe in all my heart that Jesus Christ is coming again soon. I really believe it with all my heart. Jesus is coming again. And Jesus Christ, before he comes, I believe we're going to see the greatest move of God, the greatest part of history where people are going to come into the kingdom like never before. There's going to be signs and wonders like never before. There's going to be a great revival. that It's the the earth before Jesus Christ returns Spike to this earth to bring the people he died for home. I believe in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I also believe that we're living in the days close to where he could return at any time. You don't have to look too far. You could look at the news. You could read the newspapers. And you could look and think you're reading the Bible in Matthew chapter 24. At some of the things that are happening in our world. And I still believe that Jesus is coming again soon. And I also believe that we have to make a great mark for his name before he returns. So we're surrounded with this great cloud of witnesses. If you could picture this Uh, balconies of heaven and the people and men and women of God who've run their race and gone on to glory, looking over and cheering on the ones that are still running this leg of the race. Now, if we fail, we fail everybody that's gone before us. No pressure. If we fail, we fail the ones that have gone before us. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, men and women of God that did exploits. And they're looking over the balconies of heaven, cheering us on. And and God has saved the best runners till last. And I believe we're in that last time where God has saved his best runners till last. And we're going to see the greatest things we're ever going to see that they would have longed to have seen. We're going to see it happen in our lifetime. I believe it with all my heart. Can you hear an amen in the house of God this morning? So running this leg of the race. And the Bible says that this we're surrounded with this great cloud of witnesses. Let us look to Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Listen, when Jesus starts a work in your life, he will complete that work in your life. What he started, he will. He says, I'm the Alpha, I'm the Omega. I was there with you at the beginning, I'll be there with you at the end. And everything in between, good, bad, or indifferent, Jesus Christ is with us, and we have to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Not to the left, not to the right, with our eyes fixed on that finishing line where Jesus Christ is, and said, I'm running for him, the author and finisher of my faith. I'm not looking to this person. I'm not looking to that person. I'm not looking to the past. I'm looking to Jesus Christ, the one who died for me, the one who did it all for me. They paid it all for me. My eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ. When you have your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, don't let that head get turned as you're running this leg of your race. Keep it fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Of our faith. It says that as we put our face towards his face, is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It was him what was dead, but now he's alive. We run this race this morning because of Jesus Christ, nobody else because of Jesus. I hope this is okay for you this morning. So this race is what I call a a relay race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But we are called to run our leg of the race. So when we take that 
window of opportunity and take that baton. We have to run our leg of the race with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And it says that the race is marked out by the word of God. And the race is marked out by examples of these great cloud of witnesses. You can see these men and women, and they're there in Hebrews chapter 11, is to remind us of what they did on their leg of the race, and, and to remind us that they, they by faith, did, did these exploits, and they did things for God through faith in God. They did these great exploits, and the Word of God marks out for us. It's like landmarks of what God did in these people's lives. And it says, looking unto Jesus... The author and finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes on him. Nobody else. Keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. For the one who endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So Jesus, when he was on this earth, he, he was an example of running that race of, of, of that faith. Of, uh, it says by Jesus, when he came to this earth as a man, suffered but was tempted to all points as we are, but yet was without sin, the book of Hebrews says. He understands life. He understands what we go through. He understands the problems that we have. And that's why we must fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. He understands everything. Is it easy doing things for God? No. Is it easy being on the front line, stepping out for God? No, it certainly isn't. But listen, if we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and our focus on Jesus Christ, He's the one. That will bring us through. He's the one that will keep us on this journey. He's the one that will give us that fire to run that leg of the race. But there's hurdles that are put out on that relay race that you have to get over as you run that leg of the race. And uh, Jesus Christ, while he was on earth, he had to overcome hurdles that was put in his way. All the time, people trying to trip Jesus up or tempt him or, or, or trying to trip him up. The problem Jesus has was not so much with the devil and the demons. It was with the Pharisees. Always trying to, if you're the son of God, and to, what do you say about this situation? And when the woman is caught in adultery and bringing him to Jesus, trying to test him and trying to trip him up. And, but all the time, Jesus is having to overcome Overcome these hurdles that are set before him. Listen to me this morning. There's hurdles in front of your life. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and your focus on Jesus Christ and let the fire and power of God be upon your life, you can get over those hurdles. You can jump those hurdles. God can give something within you. I just feel like putting a chair there and just running and jumping over. That's what God can put in your life. A fire that can get you over those hurdles. I'll not do it though. <laughs> great men and women of God who are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When Jude the cross, despising the shame, has sat at the right hand of God, the throne of God. Let's keep our eyes on him, Jesus. Up there is a great cloud of witnesses who ran their race well. And God chose them and anointed them. And some of them in Hebrews chapter 11. And we could speak about them. And time doesn't uh, forbid it. It forbids us to tell of all these people that did exploits for their God. I love the Apostle Peter and what he did for Jesus Christ. He goes from denial, you know, having, to, having walked with Jesus Christ three and a half years, seen all the things that he did, 
walking on water with Jesus, feeding 5,000 people with Jesus, and, then, and then, then he denies Jesus that he ever knew him. But I love the mercy and grace of God that on the day of Pentecost, after Peter's been restored by the power of his love, it's Peter who stands and preaches the gospel, and 3,000 souls come into the kingdom of God. It's Peter who goes from denial to preaching the gospel and then healing at, at, at the gate, beautiful, a, a lame man who's begging alms in, in Acts chapter 3. And it, it say, Peter says, silver and gold I've not got, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And this man jumped to his feet and leaping and praising God, went into the temple as the power of God came upon him. It's, it's the man who denied Jesus, weeks earlier, is now preaching the gospel and 3,000 souls coming into the kingdom of God. And now he's healing the sick. And in Acts 5, his shadow's healing the sick. My, we haven't got enough of God until our, we've got glory on our lives that anybody in a shadow distance, the glory of God is healing them and touching them. How many want that kind of anointing upon their life? So Peter... Running his leg of the race. You see, we always focus on Peter when he walked on water that he fell. It wasn't failure. He actually got out of the boat and walked. (laughs) While the others sat in the boat, he actually got out and had a go and walked. And people seem to focus that he took his eyes off Jesus. And yes, he did, but he fell. But Jesus reaches out his hand and picks him up. But at least he walked on water. You see, failure's not falling down. Failure's staying down. So Peter gets up, and I'd rather have people have a go and maybe fall down, but dust themselves off and say, well, look, let's go again. (laughs) God God doesn't sit with sitters. It goes with goers. He'd rather somebody have a go. Hello? (laughs) Have have we done everything right? No. But at least have a go. You know, sometimes someone someone once said to me, look, if we're going to fail, let's fail big. (laughs) I'll not tell you who that person was, but they said, if we're going to fail, let's fail big. But let's at least have a go. So Peter, he has a go and walk. I don't know of anybody else apart from Jesus Christ and Peter who's walked on water. But as we seem to focus on that Peter fell, maybe he's jumping over that hurdle and catches the hurdle and it knocks over and he falls. But listen, get up, dust yourself down and say, I'm looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I'm going to run this race. So Peter, he's a great man of God. There is, I look to and I think, wow, you used that man of God to run his leg of the race. Paul, the apostle Paul, uh, from Saul to Tarsus, God gets hold of an ordinary man. And this man does exploits for God as he runs his leg of the race. Since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us, me and you, Run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible says that those having received a good testimony did not receive the promise. God having prepared something for us, so through us, us running, they're looking down over the balconies of heaven, cheering us on, on our leg of the race. Let us run this leg of the race, what I call the final leg, I believe, where we're running the last leg of this race before Jesus Christ returns or calls his church home. I believe we're on that leg of the race where we're running home. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let me tell you some great men and women of God who run their leg of the race well. Smith Wigglesworth. We've all got his faith devotions and read his 
faith devotions, but if he was ministering today, he wouldn't be liked too much. A Yorkshireman. <laughs> very straight and very... But was moved with compassion upon people and, and moved in an anointing in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in that time that he lived in a way that people would heal by the power of God. His methods might have been unusual, but people were healed by the power of God. How many have got his faith devotions and read those faith devotions of Smith? Leave that there. I might, I might jump over it. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll see as the anointing goes. <laughs> if you feel the anointing, come and try that. <laughs> right, I used to go to this, uh, this lady. She's in glory now, but this lady, every time she was uh, in our home church back in, uh, back in the north, and um, she used to be a real encourager, this lady. When she said she was praying for you, she was praying for you. She used to say, I've been praying for you, and I knew she'd been praying for me. And uh, I used to come home from the crusades we had, we had done, and I used to go most of the time just to go and listen to this lady. And uh, she used to tell me stories, and uh, she used to encourage you, and she said, I've been praying for you. And she used to tell me stories of Smith Whittlesworth. And I used to sit in her home and listen to them. And she, she used to say to me, she says, I was in services. And she says, he would make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> she says, but the power of God was upon his life. And she says, I, I remember in, uh, in a, a service in Bethesda in Swalloness, Sheffield, um, not a very big church. And she said there were probably 100 people in that church. And uh, he was there ministering. And um, she said, when he walked around, he used to make people feel nervous when he was walking around ministering. Uh, very abrupt in his style of ministry. And uh, he says, she says, uh, as I was sat there, she says, I noticed he was walking down the middle aisle towards where a gentleman had crutches under his seat. And uh, noticed this gentleman and walked across to him. And she says, and we watched, watched him, Smith Whittlesworth, walk to this man. And he looks at this man in his Yorkshire accent, and says, does thou, does thou believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? And uh, the man looked at him, and she said, I don't know why, whether he did it out of fear or whether he had faith, I don't know. But he looked at him and nodded. <laughs> 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 and uh, so she says, I watched Smith Whittlesworth pull the crutches from under his seat. And she says, he threw them to the back of the church and says, well, if you do, go and fetch him. <laughs> and she says, I watched with my eyes this man. She says, I don't know whether he did it out of fear or whatever. She said, well, he thought, well, I must have a go. <laughs> she says, and he pushed himself up. And she says, as he got to this position, suddenly his legs locked. And he ran to the back of the church and ran around the church as the power of God came upon this man. A mighty man of God who run his leg of the race, but is now in glory and gone. She told me loads of other stories of, of this great man of God who did exploits and people who, she said, who would have cancer and stomach cancer and, and, and would punch them in the stomach. What a method to use. Can you imagine happening, that happening nowadays? Or someone dying in his meeting, story after story, of, and him raising him from the dead. And mighty man of God, but he's now in glory. John G. Lake, man of God, who I've been reading about and during the bubonic plague that hit Africa. And it said that, uh, this is what I, I, I got from, I printed it off the during that great plague that, that, that was mentioned during that bubonic plague, they sent a government ship with supplies to the doctors. And one of the doctors sent for me and said, what have, what have you been using to protect yourself? Because he was still working out there where the bubonic plague was and people are dying around. What have you been using to protect yourself? He says, well, Nothing. 
want to read this to you. He says, well, what's the secret? You, the dead, the sick are being buried. They're dying all around you and you're still ministering to the sick. What is the secret? What's your secret? What is it? And he answered and says, brother, this is the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus that lives in me. I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God, so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, no germ will ever attach itself to me. For the spirit of God will kill it. He asked, don't you think that you'd better use our protectives? And he replied, no, doctor. I think that you would like to experiment with me. If you will go over, so this is John G. Lake saying to the doctor, if you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that comes out of their lungs from their mouths after death and then put it under the microscope, you'll see masses of germs, living germs under the microscope. You'll find they're alive until a reasonable time after the man is dead. I'll tell you what, fill my hand with those germs, and then let me put it under the microscope, and instead of these germs remaining active and alive, watch them die in my hands. Wow, what an anointing to have on your life. They will die instantly. So they tried it out and found it out to be true. They questioned it, so when he put his hand under the microscope, they watched the germs die in his hands. They said, what is that? He replied, that is the law of the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and man's body are filled with the blessed presence of God, it oozes out of his pores of his flesh and kills those germs. Who wants an anointing like that? John G. Lake, but he's run his leg of the lace, and he's in glory. Catherine Coleman, another great woman of God that held tent revival meetings, and I I love some of the stories as she would sit on that chair and pray for the sick, and um, one of the testimonies, a a woman brought uh, a person with MS to the to the um, Catherine Coleman's meeting, she, she got paralysis and was suffering from MS. And the nurse brought this patient to the, to the crusade in that tent that Catherine Coleman was doing. Catherine Coleman prays over this person with MS. And the, paras, the paralysis leaves her body and she walks out of that tent. And the, the testimony is that that woman, the nurse who brought her, now the patient is working for that hospital as the power of God had touched this woman. So Catherine Coleman, you running her leg of the race, all in healing revival meetings, but she's run her leg of the race and now is with that great cloud of witnesses that are in Hebrews 11, looking over the blank balconies of heaven, cheering on the next ones that are running their leg of the race. William Booth. Oh, I love William Booth. Blood and fire. Salvation Army, I love some of the quotes that he read. You can't change the future without disturbing the present. (laughs) Go for souls and go for the worst of them. Preaching on the streets of London and bringing sinners into the kingdom of God. John Wesley, I could talk about all these men and great men and women of God who run their leg of the race, but are now in glory. Peggy and Christine Smith, you'll read of them in the Hebrides revival, this Two elderly ladies, one partially blind, the other one with severe arthritis, but prayed for a mighty revival to hit the Hebrides. And God answered the prayer of these two old ladies as they prayed for revival to come. If you read about that revival, you will hear the names of Peggy and Christine Smith. There's a lady who was a real blessing to my life. They called her Kath. You know, it's not all the great men and women of God that you see out on the front line. There's many great men and women of God behind the scenes who never get noticed on this, this earth. But one day when they walk into glory, heaven will stand to its feet for what they did for Jesus Christ. And some of these men and women of God that 
influence our lives and do it behind the scenes and don't want to be noticed. And I believe they will receive the biggest crown they've ever received, far bigger than some of the crowns that you would ever think would be placed upon a person's head. This lady, Kath Selway, a real woman of God, she's now in glory, run her leg of the race. But she used to write to people who were in prison and she used to write 800 letters a week just prisoners that were in, uh, in prisons all around the country. And some of those have gone into ministry and some of those are, uh, are now serving God and, and a, a legacy at, uh, at a funeral. I, I heard people write and tell, tell stories of, of how this woman influenced their life, but nobody ever knew. I remember her influence on my life and just an hero of the faith and only to eternity will reveal the lives that she touched. She ran her leg of the race so well, but he's now in glory. It says, let us, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, men and women of God that we can look to, let us look to Jesus, the one they were serving. And let us run with passion, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us run, laying aside every weight that can so easily ensnare us and and the baggage that so can easily entangle us. Let us cast it aside. Let us clear those hurdles and run with passion, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking to Jesus who was tested to all points as we are, yet without sin. Let us look to him, Jesus, who learned obedience. Listen to this in Hebrews. Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Let us look to him who is out sin, but yet suffered many things. But let us look to him who is sat at the right hand of God. Let us look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible says, without us. They'll not receive the promise if we don't run our leg of the race. If we don't run this final leg of the race without us, they'll not receive the promise. Where's the Smith Wittlesworths? Where's the Catherine Coleman's? Where's men and women of God that are running the race today that have got such mantles upon their life? Where are those men and women of God running today? The passing on of the baton. Let us take that baton and run the leg of the race. I love the story of Elijah and Elisha. And uh, Elijah is about to leave this earth in, uh, in, this, in, this, in Kings, second book of Kings chapter 2. You'll read about Elijah and Elisha. And it says that Elijah is going to leave this earth. And Elisha won't leave him alone until he's got what he's wanted from Elijah. So Elijah is Elijah's going to go down to Jericho. He's going to go to Bethel. He's going to go to the Jordan. And Elisha says, I'm coming with you. And he says, no, stay here. But he, he, he persists and says, I'm coming with you. And he says these words, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave your side. So he, he goes with him. And When it comes to the end, Elijah, he turns to Elisha and he says, what is it that I can do for you? What is it that you want from me? What what is it that, that I can do for you? You keep saying, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not, as as your soul lives, I will not leave your side. What is it you want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion. Of that anointing you carry, I want that double portion upon my life. Do you know what a double portion means? <laughs> it's double the miracles. It's double the, the blessing. It's double the everything Elijah did. He wants double that upon his life. But what Elisha didn't meet, no, is it, it's double the work as well. Some people pray, oh Lord, give me a double portion. And the Lord's thinking, if you just use the portion I've given you first, then you can have the double portion. But Elisha is saying, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave your side. And then this great whirlwind comes and takes Elijah up 
into heaven. And it says that the mantle falls. And Elijah, Elisha is there to pick up the mantle or pick up that baton that's fallen, that mantle that's fallen. Elisha is there to pick it up. When the mantle falls and the anointing falls, you have to be there to pick it up. There's too many mantles and too many anointings that have fell to this earth and nobody has been there to pick up that baton or that mantle. But Elisha, he picks up that mantle and, he, and then he goes like Elijah has and strikes the Jordan River. And the same thing happens when Elisha strikes that river as when Elijah struck it. It parks this way and that way and miracles happen. And Elisha moves into the anointing that God has placed upon his life. I find it amazing that in 2 Kings chapter 4, the very thing that Elisha had said to Elijah, the Shumanite woman says to Elisha, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave your side. Read that in 2 Kings chapter 4 about the Shumanite woman who's pursuing a miracle in her life. Says the very exact same thing that Elisha had said to Elijah. This Shumanite woman says to Elisha, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave your side. And the Shumanite woman receives the miracle as she's pursuing the anointing that's upon Elisha's life. So they overcome obstacles. They overcome hurdles. And it says that if we don't run our leg of the race, they don't receive the promise. If the last runner fails, then all that's gone before fails. Let's keep our eyes and focus fixed on Jesus Christ. Not looking to the left or to the right, but fixed firmly on Jesus Christ. There may be a balcony of heaven and great clouds of witnesses cheering us on and, and, and cheering this leg of the race on. But let us run this leg well. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Letting God use what he's placed upon our lives, the giftings and the anointings. Let us run the race well. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who've loved his appearing. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain they, they, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Let's pick up that baton, pick up that mantle, pick up that anointing that God has placed upon our lives, and let us run the race that is set before us. I don't know how long we've got or I've got, but what I want to do is make a difference while I'm here. I want to run this race with my eyes fixed on Jesus. Is it easy? No. Is there things that come against you? Yes. Is there hurdles that are put in your way? Yes. But by the power of the Holy Ghost and by the power of Jesus Christ, we can clear those hurdles. We can run with a passion the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And before I go, or before Jesus Christ, I don't know, I could be still here when he returns. I don't know when he's going to come. But what I want to do is run while the time I've got. I want to run my leg pretty well. Do we do everything right? No. Do we fall down sometimes? Yes. But listen, pick ourselves up, dust down and keep running there is race that is set before us. And what I want is that if I am going to go, I want to pass something on to the next generation that are coming behind me. I want something that I've carried to be passed on to them that they can carry it better than me, faster than me, see more things than me, see more miracles. I'd like my boys 
to run faster than me, to, to be better than me, to see more miracles than me, to, to, to move in the anointing better than me, to see more salvations than me, to see God do something greater than I ever saw. I wanted that next generation to see creative miracles and, and the dead being raised and all kind of manner of things. Let them do, run with their leg of the race with a double anointing upon their lives than what we had. Oh, you're quiet. You know, can you imagine that next generation looking at us and say, well, compared to me, they were just pussycats. They were just plain at it. <laughs> Do you know, there's a generation that's coming up behind us. I, f- I feel there's a generation that's missed the power of God and the glory of God. But we're living in days now where the power of God is coming and we're seeing signs and wonders and miracles. That 15-year-old boy on the crusade was seeing things that I wish I could have seen when I was 15 years old. Look into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This great cloud of witnesses that are cheering on the saints of God, running their leg of the race and saying, come on. Run with a passion the race that is set before us, cheering us on as we let's encourage one another. Life is hard enough without being discouraged from fellow believers. What I like to do is get alongside people and encourage them to move in the gifts and anointings of God upon their lives and encourage them. How many like to be around people that encourage you to do what God's called you to do? Encourage those people. You know, somebody's moving in the gifts of the Spirit of God, seeing salvation. Let's rejoice with them that God is using him in, in those ways and, 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 and say, I encourage you, keep, keep running that reg of the race. Keep running what God has placed upon your life. Encourage the next generation to come behind you and then take on that baton what you're carrying and carry it further than you could ever have carried it. We're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author. And finisher of our faith. I hope this has blessed you this morning. To keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. We've seen some truly amazing things over this last week in Guatemala. I'm so thankful for God that what we, God has allowed our eyes to see. But I want to see God just use the people of God to rise up and run their leg of the race with a passion. And with endurance, the race that is set before them. Keep their eyes fixed on Jesus and have something to pass on of a legacy to that next generation that are coming behind of the power of God to touch their lives. We're keeping our eyes upon Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. Let us run in such a way that we will receive that crown, that promise that is before us. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I just feel like jumping over that chair. Do you think I can make it? Do you think I can make that chair? Do you think I've got enough? I think I can. (laughs) I've been proud. I'm so glad you've got small seats. <laughs> but you know, some things are put in, th- in front of us that we have to, but it's through the power of God that if you feel the anointing on you, just I felt something as I did that, that we can get over things that are put in our way that try to trip us or try to get us off track. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, then we can clear those hurdles. Pastor Allen. Surely I bless you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the privilege of coming to your church. I pray the blessings of God over this church. I thank God for this house. that It's a place where the glory of God dwells and the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is welcome. How many are so thankful you're in a church that loves the presence of God and loves the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Lord, I thank you for what you did last night in 
people healed, healed of back, got good testimonies of people healed last night and people delivered and people set free by the power of God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this hour. Lord, I pray over this church, Lord, that you'll just pour out your spirit in an amazing way, Lord. Lord, I pray for signs and wonders and miracles, Lord, to be the DNA continually of this church, that the glory of God that's, Lord, is a residue in this house, Lord, will continually touch and change people's lives. Many people People have been touched and changed by the ministry of this house, Lord. We're so thankful. And Lord, I pray that you'll touch and bless every person in this church from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Lord, I pray the anointing upon every person's life. Lord, to run this race with a passion that is set before them, Lord. Lord, I pray if everyone is sick in their bodies that the healing power of God will touch them this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being here with this precious people of God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, the best is still yet to be. The best days are ahead. And Lord, we want to make a difference for you in this hour and in this time we live. And Lord, however long a time you give us, Lord, let us run with passion. There is race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Lord, let us run with this great balcony of heaven cheering us on so that, Lord, one day we'll have run our race well and left our mark upon this race of life. And, Lord, I pray you'll raise up a generation that follow behind us, Lord, that will take this baton and see great and truly awesome things in this day that we live.